Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. There's a word that keeps popping up a lot these days in the media. When covering the goings-on in Washington, D.C., someone is bound to say the word unprecedented, and for good reason. We've never been here before. We've never had a religious minority of Americans wielding such immense political power, many of whom support the president in some rather, here's that word, unprecedented ways. Dr. Jennings, what's the attraction between President Trump and many people who identify as Christian? Charles, I received an actual letter in the mail a few weeks back from some uh, good Christian friends that support and follow our ministry, and they were quite confused and disheartened, and they and they were inquiring of me, how is it that so many of their Christian friends can be supporters of Donald Trump when they see his character flaws, his rudeness, his uh, history of infidelity with his wife, the things that make him unchristlike in his character and presentation? And they were quite distraught. How can a Christian and so many Christians seem to support him when he seems to be so unlike Christ in the way he behaves? And I wrote a blog about this. And I want to say, as we talk about this on the air today, that what I'm going to say and what I wrote was not either for or against the president. The purpose is for fellow Christians to be able to understand each other. And when we have understanding of each other, then that opens the pathway for us to, to move in a process of coming into unity. But if we refuse to understand each other, and understanding doesn't mean agreement. Hmm. I can understand why a particular person smokes. Well, because they say it helps them think better or because they, they relax when they smoke. I, I can understand that. I don't agree with them that it's healthier for them to do it, though. Hmm. You see, I can disagree and understand at the same time. What happens, though, in many of these circles when it comes to things like the president is that there seems to be little willingness to understand another side. So I wrote an article trying to help these good people to understand why some Christians are able to support the president, even though they see that he doesn't really mirror Christ in his behaviors. And one of the things I pointed out was that I can recognize the difference between a man of God— like Job, mm -hmm. like Daniel, a man of God, a godly man, a man who actually has the Spirit living in them and therefore represents God in the way they live. I can recognize the difference between a man of God, a godly man, and a man who is not of God, an ungodly man, but yet is still called by God to fulfill a purpose. And I think of Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 8 and 9, where the Bible reads, Therefore the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north and my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord. And at this time, Nebuchadnezzar was an unconverted, pagan, self-centered, so prideful that later down the road he is sent to seven years of insanity to humble him because he's so prideful, womanizer with a harem, an abuser, a dictator, etc., whatever you want to call. Yet God still calls him his servant. How can that be? Is he a godly man? No. But was he being called by God to fulfill a particular purpose in a larger setting for some reason? And so I can see that God can allow people that are not godly 
to be part of fulfilling a larger purpose than just witnessing in their life godliness. Okay, let's go along with that thought. Dr. Jennings, I will echo what probably a lot of our listeners right now are saying. What purpose would someone like Donald Trump bring into this world? So God has not revealed to me in a vision what those exact purposes of his are. Mm -hmm. The Bible also says that God sets up kings and removes kings, and many people believe that people who come into power and rulership are only allowed to do that because God permits it. So what I say here would be my own speculation, but there's a couple of reasons that Donald Trump may have been brought into power within a purpose that's larger, that fulfills God's cause. One, to expose processes for people to be able to think and discern the difference between God's methods and the methods of the world, Hmm. that the things of corruption that he's exposing and his own behaviors can draw a significant contrast to the way God would do things and the way the people of the world do things, to wake people up. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that he is a man to stand in the way of a socialist takeover of our government that would ultimately undermine our Constitution and take our liberties. I'm sure there are those in our audience today who feel that way. Right. And so our focus is not justifying or attacking the president. Mm -hmm. Our focus is to help fellow Christians understand if you have a friend who is a supporter of the president, how can they do that when they recognize that he has flawed character? First is that um, we can recognize the difference between a godly person and an ungodly person who is still being used by God for some purpose. The second reason, though, is I recognize the difference between church and state. And I think many Christians, I want to really say this and emphasize it, many Christians get confused because they merge church and state in their mind and thinking. Hmm. And the Bible gives clear character qualifications for people who are to be church leaders. It gives no qualifications for people who are leading worldly governments. Okay, worldly government. I'm glad you said that, because he certainly gave qualifications for leaders for his people. Right, but not worldly governments. Okay, gotcha. He didn't give qualifications for Rome, for Persia, for Babylon, for all the nation states around Israel. No, there were no qualifications for the people who lead worldly governments in Scripture. And so we have to recognize the difference between church and state, and many Christians confuse this. And I hope it don't upset Christians on this next one, but a good example would be when many Christians got upset when same-sex marriage marriages were legalized. They confuse church and state. God's design for marriage in the Bible is unequivocal, one man, one woman, in unity, blessed by God, and the two shall become one. This is God's design for marriage. However, states are not interested in two hearts being unified in love. They have no authority there. States are interested in next of kin rights, property rights, in these types of state-defined statutes and legal processes. And so when a state legalizes marriage, they're only talking about where the state has domains on authorities such as property rights, inherited rights, next of kin rights, and so forth. They have no power to make something sacred or holy. And so when you separate those two out, the power of God to do something versus the power of the state, then you recognize what the state is doing is is something completely different than what God does. Oh, that is very clear. I like what you just said there, Dr. Jennings, because you're giving a separation between church and state. You're doing exactly what you said earlier in the program, that we need to keep those separate. Now, the question, of course, on many people's mind is, hey— 
If I believe this and the Bible says it, and this is a Christian nation, shouldn't we have the principles as God outlined them in the Bible as the guiding principles of this nation of ours, our state? You say Christian nation, you inserted something there. Yes. Nowhere in the documents of incorporation of this nation does it say this is a Christian nation. Exactly. In fact, the uh, documents say that there will be a separation of church and state. They acknowledge the belief in a creator God. That's acknowledged a creator God, but it doesn't specify the doctrinal and or denominational affiliation. It left that actually undefined purposely so that people can follow the dictates of their own conscience. So no, I don't say that we're a Christian nation other than to say historically the majority of people have been Christians. In that sense, it's true, but that that is a population belief system, not a incorporation of the documents of the government. The question is, Good Christian people are struggling to understand how other Christian people can support the President Trump when they don't see godly character being manifested. Right. And I'm trying to help them have an understanding. They can disagree, but they ought to at least understand their fellow Christians and where they're coming from. And we've outlined because they separate in their mind the difference between a godly man and an ungodly man that could be called for a purpose, the difference between church and state, so they don't hold a state leader to the same standards they would a church leader. And I think Many of the people who have problems with Trump don't make that distinction, and they want to hold him to the standards of a church leader. But he's not the leader of the church. He's the leader of the nation. Thirdly, maybe this particular political leader is advancing principles or practices that certain Christians find are healthy for the nation because they fit certain biblical principles that they believe are valuable as well. And so they support him because they see him aligning on advancing certain causes that they would think would be important for the nation. Well, we have a couple of minutes left here in the program. Dr. Jennings, how should we on social media and across the backyard fence and at church and the pews beside us, how should we approach people who don't believe as we believe and say things very different from what we say? I think the first thing is to seek to understand rather than seeking to be understood, hmm. meaning really try to understand and empathize with the other person rather than seeking to shout down or criticize or belittle the other person because they have a perspective, a a belief that's different than your own. If we can't understand the other person, we will be fairly ineffectual in trying to lead them to what we believe is a greater light. Many people who are resistant to understanding the other side are resistant because on some level, the pursuit of understanding the other side will expose flaws in their own thinking that they don't want to give up. Those of us, though, who are Christian are to be lovers of truth, and we have nothing to fear if we love truth because truth can afford the most stringent investigation because it only gets validated as we investigate it. And if we love truth, then we want any misunderstanding or errors in our thinking or perspectives to be eliminated as we grow in truth. But those who are not lovers of truth get quite frightened and upset when their ideas are challenged by others and and resist actually understanding or seeking evidences of a different way of seeing things. 
things. Huh. In other words, what I hear you saying is that truth is going to work itself out. It doesn't require us. If we don't believe in it or if we, if we fight against it, it doesn't matter. Truth is going to win in the long run. Is that what I hear you saying? Truth ultimately will win in the long run, but many minds may not have truth win in their minds because they cling to the lies instead. And so in Thessalonians, it said the wicked are lost because, quote, they did not love the truth and thus be saved. So, yes, truth can be presented, and truth will win if we embrace the truth and accept it and apply it. But if we reject the truth, then we're damaged by clinging to the lie. Just give me 30 seconds on uh, where is our number one source of finding the truth? Our number one source of finding the truth ultimately, of course, is in God, and God has given us three primary avenues where he reveals truth to us, and that's Scripture— science in nature, and life experiences, how things actually work. And and we want to find truth. We want all three of those to harmonize on whatever question we're asking or the Bible text we're studying. We want to have all three of them come to the same conclusion, and then we can be very confident we're standing on truth. All right. Comeandreason.com is the website. Listener, I invite you to go there, visit there, listen to the radio programs, watch the television programs. Dr. Jennings' books are also there, ready for you to enjoy and bring into your library. You can also leave questions for Dr. Jennings and read what he's said to other people through his blogs. That's all at comeandreason.com. A very busy place. Visit there. Dr. Jennings, always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. And until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>